0: Welcome back to the Marvel Movie Minute, a daily podcast in which we explore the films of the Marvel Cinematic Universe one minute at a time. In this, our fourth season, we are looking at Kenneth Branagh's 2011 film, Thor. I'm Matthew
1: Fox from TheEthicalPanda.com. And I'm Andy Nelson from The Next Real Film Podcast.
0: And today we're talking about Minute 66, which begins with Loki staring up at the sky and ends with Selvig being a very bad liar. Joining us on the show today, we have... Brian Lockhart, host of the Marine Corps Movie Minute and co-host of the Marvel Events Timeline Podcasts. Um, Brian, it's so good to have you uh, with us today. What got you into the whole movie by minutes idea?
2: I you know, I started out listening to Star Wars Minute. You know that was that was the big one, right. and um, just from there, I f- kept finding that every movie I liked uh, had a movies by minutes pretty much. <laughs> and uh, but you know, few of the few the you know other movies by minutes uh, members kind of stated, "Hey, look if you." if there's a movie you like that doesn't have a movies by minutes podcast then it's on you to do it yourself um given that uh i was in the marines and given that i love the movie heartbreak ridge by clint eastwood i'm like i think i found my movie so (laughs) i tapped a a fellow marine buddy of mine and we went through heartbreak ridge minute by minute and we keep promising full metal jacket but it hasn't happened yet (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> no, yeah,
0: I, 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 I saw that. That's what you all do. And I was thinking, m- movies that feature the Marine Corps, that depending on how you define it, that that's a very broad category. Oh, yeah. Movie.
2: Unfortunately, we we were actually go- my my current co-host Perry, my my main co-host, he absolutely refused. Uh, to do the wwe marine movies with john cena and, the, and and all the other wrestlers he was like i will not do those so um my attempt was to uh, when when he's available recruit another marine buddy of mine and we are going to go through those eventually
0: <laughs> listen not everyone's up to discussions of high cinema right. like that you know and you just got to find your right person so well we're so glad to have you with us today and we're going to get into all that after this quick moment
1: Hey there, all you wonderful Marvel Movie Minute fans. Uh, We would love to have you hop into the conversation with us to talk more about Thor, the minutes we're covering, really anything going on in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. You know, we just love talking about all of it. We have a growing group of Marvel fans just waiting to chat with you over in our Discord server. To find out uh, more about Discord and to get to our server, just go to truestory.fm slash Minute and you click on the Discord link. It's as easy as that. See you over there.
0: We start this minute with Loki looking up to the sky. And for me, this is a really interesting moment because we've had so much of, you know, Thor just coming to realize he can't lift the hammer anymore. He's looking up at Odin. He's looking at Heimdall just with all the emotions he's going through in that moment. Loki obviously is in a very different place. What do you think is in his head when he's looking up? Who? What do you think he's looking at?
2: Uh, I don't know. For me personally, I think he's kind of looking at like, oh, good one. Good one, Odin. Because, uh, y- y- uh-huh. <laughs> you know, he, he made his attempt and failed, just like all the, you know, all the rednecks who, who were out there earlier, <laughs> uh, the mortals. Well, I shouldn't say rednecks, but. <laughs> we,
1: we call them townies in these. <laughs> townies. Yeah. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. That's, that's perfect.
2: <laughs> and, and. I I think he he kind of, because the little bit where he tries, he looks up and he's like, hmm, and then fixes his coat all very generally and properly and walks off. I I just think it's like, oh, good one.
1: (laughs) What I love about the moment, and I I find really interesting, is we have seen so many God's eye view shots throughout the film where the camera is like directly overhead, looking straight down at whether it's Thor or... Uh, other action that's happening, I, and I find it really interesting in this particular case that we don't flip up to that god's eye view shot to look down at Loki as he's as he's looking up, and I can't help but feel like maybe it's because we're oftentimes when we're in those shots, it does feel like we're Heimdall looking straight down. In fact, just in the last uh, last week, we had a shot where Thor was looking straight up. And we have that god's eye view shot, and it comes right out of the top of this, of uh, this uh, kind of the uh, uh, ho- the cube here, and it cuts to Heimdall, who is watching, in fact. Right. And so, uh, yeah, yeah, they probably would have made it feel like Heimdall is watching Loki if they had used that particular shot. And I feel like by keeping the camera really low, it's intentionally saying. Loki isn't in a place where Heimdall can notice what he's actually doing right now. And I think that's that is kind of interesting because we know from that, I feel like, you know, he's up to his old tricks. There's something going on here.
0: And that's something not in these minutes, but we will get confirmed later in the movie is that Heimdall couldn't see Loki during this time.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And also it's uh, I mean, I find it so interesting that they choose to have him just walk out of the shot as opposed to doing something magical at this point. Right. Right because um i my sense is it's easier when you're making a movie you know what instead of having to you know we'll save so much money in creating those shots if we just have you walk out of frame and i can totally see them as they're trying to like figure out which which effects do they keep in which are getting too expensive and they just you know Braun is saying you know what we'll just have you walk out of frame we don't need to show that
0: I also think, though, the more I think about it, we've been talking throughout this whole movie, and Brian, definitely curious in your thoughts on this as well, on, like, what are the limits of limit Loki's magic? You know, that we keep hearing that most of what happens on Asgard isn't magic, it's just science, but that we humans think of as magic. Loki's not that. Loki is magic. They specifically named that, and I feel like... On the one hand, I want to know, like, how did he get to Earth? How did he get back? Is this just a projection? Is he physically there? He seems to be, because he can pull the hammer. But the more I think about it, the more I feel like, it. it, it sometimes when you explain the magic too much, it kind of comes like, you know, being able to read the spell description in a D&D book. It's like, well, it's not magic anymore. Now I know exactly what it is and what it's not. And I I, I think, I, even if it is just for the production values, I feel like I like not knowing how Loki's doing this because it allows him to feel it, it keeps the idea that he is mysterious and trickstery and magical in a way that no one else in Asgard is.
2: I think it's meant to be magic, although, you know, the line early on when they said or at what point when they say I come from a place that's magic, you know, science and magic are the same thing, basically. And I think that was thrown in there because in these early phases of the MCU, they were. Unsure what they had because, you know, Iron Man was an uh, easier sell because that's technology. Um, Hulk is kind of an easy sell, too, because it's science gone wrong. But Thor is Norse mythology and and, and magic and gods <laughs> and all this crazy stuff. And they're like, well, how are we going to sell it? Well, actually, it's just science that we don't understand. Right. So we, it's our primitive minds can't handle what they're doing. But I think we'll learn later as we go through the MCU they no longer care about trying to ground, <laughs> ground it into like ultimate reality. <laughs> right. They they unleash the silliness and the wackiness, and we do learn that Loki. Uh, you know Loki, his mom was raised by witches, and she taught that to him. You know, um, right. So he's doing magic. Also, there is I think there's a line where he mentions there are pathways that are kind of like forgotten or unknown uh, besides the Bifrost, and. It's kind of like Hemdale doesn't know about them so like in a way you can kind of explain that he just knows these secret passages not necessarily using magic to to teleport yeah uh, you know <laughs>
1: Well, that's, uh, yeah, because that's how he somehow snuck the Jotuns into Asgard, right, is, is through one of these back doors that we still don't exactly understand. But apparently it is there. And it's interesting that in the script, I mean, it actually is written. It says an odd green and gold light rises from the ground enveloping him. Then he disappears. And uh, I don't know. I guess I'm torn. Like, do I, would I, do I need that? Or, you know, kind of like, you know, what uh, you're both alluding to, the fact that there's magic, we know he's magical, he walks out of frame, it almost keeps it more mysterious that we don't yeah, actually see exactly. whatever these back doors are, right?
0: Yeah, I, I think that's where I am on the mysteriousness, especially because, and this kind of to, to shift the other thing about this moment I wanted to talk about, to me, the real focus here is not just how does he get in and out, it's the what's happening in this moment. Because for me... The way he kind of come to terms with he can't lift the hammer, and like you said, uh, Brian, he, you know, he buttons up his coat, he kind of goes back. This is such an important moment because, for me, it reminds me of a line that I've heard in uh, the TV show West Wing, but it's a theme that you often hear is, you know, the, the character asks, do you want to win or do you want to defeat your opponent? You know, and I think for Loki, that's kind of what he's going through here is, is his goal to become recognized as the smart person, the good ruler that he thinks he could be, or is his goal to defeat Thor? And like, he's mostly kind of accepted. I'm the ruler now. I'm going to take power. I'm going to solidify my power. I'm going to have some fun twisting Thor's tail and twisting the knife in him a little bit. And then he sees the hammer, and there's just one moment where he's like, maybe I can have this definitive proof that I'm actually better than Thor. He tries to lift the hammer, and to me, I think this moment is where he's like, you know, he could get into his head of like, damn it, I even can't lift the hammer, dad still doesn't love me, like, all that stuff, and this is where he's kind of like, nope, I don't need to be that anymore. Um, am I just projecting like crazy here, or did you all see any of that in this moment as well?
1: I like I like the way that you kind of describe that. I mean, I, I I don't know if I read it that way, but I I do kind of like it. You know, it 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 does feel like there's a little thing there. You know, because I mean, he's he doesn't fall to his knees in in being distraught and you know upset like Thor because he can't lift it. I mean, I I don't know. It's just something like, yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. It just it, it it's just kind of like him being okay with it and, and just moving on to go do other things.
2: It, it's, it's like the hammer was never his. So you can yeah. see why Thor was particularly distraught because not only did he lose his hammer, but he also, Odin took his powers away. He's just immortal at this point. Loki yeah. still has his powers. Right. He's ascended to the throne. And I kind of think it was just hmm. a, a, like, not like a crime, but a crime of opportunity. Hey, it's there. Let me just see if I can lift it. I've ascended to the throne i yeah. quote unquote worthy and then he's like mm, i'm not <laughs> oh oh well it was never mine to begin with so it would have been yeah, nice right. but eh, you know uh,
1: yeah right nice bonus
2: <laughs> yeah I, I think that's the key
0: because for me a big part of loki's journey has been about you know who who in whose eyes does he want to be worthy you know, and I think to me, this is like, I know Loki's kind of the the villain at this point, but to me, there's something really kind of powerful and self-affirming about the idea of like, I don't need to try and set my worthiness by someone else's standards. You know, I'm going to just be like, I, I'm doing good. I'm king of Asgard. That's all I need. So, all right. enough of my projection of my father issues onto Loki <laughs> here. Let's kind of move on. We get um, this wonderful shot that I want to hear what both of you think of, where Stillwell is kind of moving into the command center Sitwell, sit well thank you um and he walks from the outside where it's very dark into the inside does that strike you as well as this kind of very interesting shot of him moving like from such a, a stark darkness into light or is that just him moving inside
1: well i mean moving from the command center he is inside but it's the dark command center the the mm, very right. um I don't know, uh, secretive, I guess we'll call it, place where all the, the agents are, you know, working in the dark on all of their little computers and everything, uh, into this bright white room, which is such a different look. I, I really like that look. And it's a great kind of, uh, trucking move that we have kind of, uh, walking with him going from one to the other. And it just, it, I don't know. For me, it, in context of who we learn or what we learn about Sitwell later in the franchise, I, I just find it to be an interesting kind of shot construction that he's in mm-hmm. the darkness, but he's stepping into the light so that he can talk with Colson. Like, I think there's something kind of interesting in that. I can't imagine they were projecting that far ahead <laughs> as far as Sitwell and his uh, loyalties, but, um, but it is a very intriguing shot. And I, I, yeah. I, I, I think largely it's just one of those things that probably. Brana and his cinematographer came up with and said oh this would be a fun thing to do just kind of playing with that so yeah I, I like the look
2: i think that's the fun thing about going back and rewatching these early phases um of the mcu knowing what we know is you can pick out stuff yeah. like that and it's like oh i yeah like i, said, I guarantee <laughs> okay. that was just hey this is just a shot like the right the whole the whole complex kind of reminds me of i don't know kind of like et when when the when the feds came in. Yeah. Um, you know, that kind of plastic and it's but it's bright there. And uh, obviously we want to be able to see what's happening in that area. <laughs> but now, like you said, now going back knowing what we know about Sitwell, knowing what we know about Colson, it's the light and the dark of SHIELD. And it's just yeah it's fun to to go back and say, Hey, uh maybe there was something there even though we know that probably wasn't you know, it was too early. It was too early in the in the MCU to to connect all that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know that huge book of uh, like behind the scenes stuff with Marvel has now come out. I've not gotten a chance to look at it, but to any fans who are listening, I, I'd be very curious if it says anything about when they decided to make Sitwell a villain, you know, and if it was like early here or if it was, you know, some later person like rewatched some of this stuff and was like, Sitwell comes off as kind of villainous. You want to play with that? You know, like I'd love to hear like what the thinking there was.
1: Right, right, right.
0: And and so here we have some uh, shield agents walking around in the background, and we actually hear someone say the word "set." Um, which Andy, talk to us about kind of what we're seeing and what we hear in that moment.
1: Uh, well, it's it's a strange moment. So yeah, we're so we see him. I mean, so Sitwell lets him know that Thor has a visitor, and then we cut to this uh, shot of shield agents walking. We're back in the hamster cage, and again, just as a side note. Very frustrating, how difficult it is trying to identify any of these people. I just can't tell there aren't enough um, of them credited, mm-hmm. and so it makes it hard and frustrating because I just can't uh, pull them out. But we see some shield agents we see a shield agent walking toward us through the hamster cage, some others wheeling stuff, and then the camera starts panning over to there's a a, a, a shield scientist who's busy repairing the torn wall of the hamster cage where Thor had kicked an agent out and yeah, and we hear we hear a voice say "Set." And I can't help but thinking that's oftentimes like what the assistant director will call out when, like, to make sure everyone's you know set in their places before they call action. And it, it's it's very faint. And I was like, is that is it is is it the shield agents saying something to each other, or was that the actual assistant director saying set before the camera panned over, uh, l- you know, letting um, you know Stellan Skarsgård, uh, uh, you know, all the actors. No, you need to be in place because the camera's moving now so make sure you're standing in your place i it was just it was strange for me to hear that because instantly my brain goes into production mode going oh is that are we hearing the the production team i they would have cleaned that up but maybe they left it because they didn't think people would think that was related to the production but related to the shield agents i don't know it's very strange did either of you notice that
2: no, I didn't catch that, but I also didn't catch Jean's guy in Mandalorian until it hit the internet, so it's possible. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, there's definitely little moments like that. Um I didn't catch it at first, but once you once you said it, I went back and watched the actual movie itself uh in that moment uh and noticed the word set doesn't appear in the subtitles. So No,
1: yeah, right, right. It,
0: it, I think it may well be they may well have had some like, well, maybe they're saying like are we all set to deal with this person coming in, you know, some way to explain it in universe if a editor later caught it and was like, oops. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> who knows? Uh, but we get to one of my favorite scenes in the movie, where Selvig is trying to explain to Coulson that this guy is actually Donald Blake, Dr. Donald Blake, both a doctor and a physicist, as we will find out. Um, Selvig's lying through his teeth. Uh, and we got kind go over it moment by moment, but I just want to start by asking why is Selvig doing this? The last thing we saw was Jane leaving a message for him, and then now we cut to this what what's happening here no
1: the last- the last thing we saw was Jane and him arguing about the fact that he's in jail now,
0: oh no, you were correct, thank you yeah. thank you
1: right and and that that's when Darcy like they're looking at the book and um and darcy yeah darcy says it could be you know he could right. be they would have thought he was you know uh, you know a god and so and that was the last thing that we saw, so obviously there was some convincing that had happened um. It's a surprising—I mean, I, I'm—well, I'm curious about several things. The fact that, that he does it, I guess it's because he was the one who knew more about S.H.I.E.L.D. than she did. You know, mm-hmm. he was kind of—like, he's friends with, with Banner and Pym and has a sense of S.H.I.E.L.D. And so maybe was trying to use some of his knowledge about S.H.I.E.L.D. to kind of come in here. But I also find it strange that he doesn't—that she doesn't come along. Uh, like, why is it just him— I, I don't know. I guess it was it was a very curious thing to just have have Eric being the the sole person who comes to do this.
2: My guess is he didn't want her there. He's he's very much a father figure. He is yeah. very much protective over, and you know he just got her from there and doesn't want her around. She also clearly was hot headed the last time she dealt with Shield, so he figures, all right, I'll go handle it. Yeah, you know, true.
0: Yeah. This keeps her more off of Shield's radar. You know, he kind of knows that once Shield notices you, that can be bad long term. He is towards the end of his career; she's at the very
1: start. Now, my other question about this whole thing is why? Why Donald Blake? With him, other than I mean, obviously, you know the you know the story from the production side is obviously it was his alias in the comics, but you know. As we know, in context of the film itself, Donald Blake was Jane's ex. He wasn't very good with relationships, all of that. But did Eric know him? Did he see the name tag? Like, why does Donald Blake, why is that the name that sticks in his head? Um, did he know Donald back when they were all at Culver University together? I just like, it's. it was strange for him to pull that one out. Uh, I mean, I guess it was just... The, or, or is Darcy the one po- that pulled it out and, and opted to use that when apparently, as we learned, creating this fake driver's license? Like, where where did the whole plan to to stick with the Donald Blake come from? I don't know. Did that strike either of you, or is it just like, eh, it's, it's his comic book thing?
2: Well, the, it, of course, that was the main genesis, as you stated. Like, they wanted to get the reference in there because they're not, they're not doing the alter ego. You know, Thor is Thor. Sure. I kind of appreciate that because especially when we're dealing with – um, you know the the way they set it up in the MCU that they're aliens, basically. You don't need the alter ego. Um, but I thought early on when she she took his photo in the in the diner that that was the whole genesis of the kind of going by Donald Blake or um, I don't know if they actually I can't remember. I just literally watched it last night. I can't <laughs> did they explain that it,
1: <laughs> it was only the name tag on the shirt that Jane loaned him, and it had "Hello, my name is Donald Blake." M D, but uh, because it was her ex's shirt, and she took that off. But that was the only time that it's come up.
0: I, I guess the thought I had was the fact that she had that stuff with her in the New Mexico at this space was that Blake had been at one point involved in this project. You know, uh, certainly they studied together at Culver U, and, and here we're getting some stuff from from comics and the like. But uh, my impression was that Sosovic would have known him both in terms of like. This person, who he is kind of a father figure, mentor to, would have told him, like, you know, hey, I'm dating this guy. It's fun. Or, oh, we've broken up now. um, But, but yeah, I, I, that was really my impression is that he got it. But also, I, it's funny because I, I wish we had some idea of how they get this driver's license because I thought at first maybe, like, somehow she had his old driver's license and they just put a new picture on put it.
1: Put a new photo. Okay, um, yeah.
0: I don't have that many exes of mine who have left with
2: driver's <laughs> licenses,
0: so I don't – but Mr. Donald Blake apparently has his head in the clouds, so we don't know. You know, Jane seems the sort who might maliciously keep a left wallet that was left behind and not give it back. I I, I got nothing there. But <laughs> yeah, I, I, it seems to me like they wanted the comic book thing and then to have kind of a like – they can sort of jet justify it with, with all this other stuff.
2: Well, if they didn't get their stuff taken because of, you know – Shield was eventually going to arrest him for stolen identity, anyways. You know, for for identity theft. But, um, I, I guess for my thing is likely off screen. While Selvig was driving out, you know, it was 50 miles away, so they had some time to, um, maybe kind of put together something on the fly on the internet. And it clearly, clearly, Shield was not buying it, so they didn't do that good of a job. Oh.
1: no, yeah. <laughs>
2: What, and so that's one of my questions is Coulson is
0: obviously acting as though he believes he's he sort of acting like he believes Eric, but he's kind of like, well, but then explain this to me. How did how did he kick the butt of all our agents? Is he a medical doctor or a physicist? Halfway through, we see that the that Coulson sees that the license is fake. Before that, do you think there's a moment when Coulson believes a word of this or is he just from the moment letting this guy lie to him to kind of you know give him rope and see where he goes with it?
2: Oh, i say, I don't think he ever bought it. I, I think he knew from yeah. the get-go that this was all shenanigans. I think they even have a theory who Thor is. Um, but they you know they deal in reality, and that's kind of myth. So they, they're like they want to know, all right, is there more to it?" But already because when he's like, "I want to see what happens, he already suspects something's up with Thor because um, they, they know they know crazy stuff is in this universe at this point. I don't think he yeah he ever believed uh, Selvig. He just wanted to see where this where this goes. You know, what's what is what are they up to, and what can they what can I learn from them?
1: It it makes me wonder like if Eric also is kind of like because I mean he again he seems to have a good sense about how Shield operates. Like it makes me wonder if if he also kind of senses that they're not buying his lies, but that like like does is he gonna suspect that they're gonna be followed now? Like where where is his head with all of this? Or does he actually think he is getting away with all of this?
0: I, I think he's kind of halfway in between. I think he <laughs> It's that kind of moment where like you fully expect the teacher to be like Come on, that's not true. But they're not doing that, so you think maybe I can pull this off? And it's to me, it's funny because his lies just keep getting more and more extreme. And he's, he's <laughs> able to come up with them on the on the fly,
2: but they're really bad. Yeah, steroids.
1: <laughs> yeah, he's a bit of a fitness nut. That was he, a he's great. Yeah, great <laughs> oh, line like so that just funny. explains
2: his his training his fighting style his ability all that just he just takes <laughs> steroids he does crossfit he's it's good so yeah,
0: <laughs> and i love that one moment where his actual opinions about shield come out a bit where he says you know <laughs> right. he if he just he was so upset at this big faceless organization like yours coming in with his jackbooted thugs and Colson kind of gives him a look and he's clearly like, oh, I, I mean, that's what he
2: said. You know? <laughs> <That's right. laughs> that, that is a great uh, moment by Stellan Skarsgård because he, he, he when he says jackbooted thugs, he's got some vitriol behind it. And Colson's look right. is like, excuse me, <laughs> Yo, what did you just say? <laughs> and he catches himself and he's like, well. Uh that's how he put it. <laughs> and it's and yeah. Yeah, it's perfect. It's a great scene.
1: <laughs> it's so funny. Uh and and just, to, just as a just side note, just to I don't know if we're closing the loop on this, but Colson doesn't fa- it does in fact say Dr. Selvig, not Selvage. Mm-hmm. So yeah. at least at least we know you know people are saying Selvig even if, you know, they're mispronouncing it which, right. you know, we may never know.
0: <laughs> uh, and then we get the driver's license, which there's a lot of interesting stuff on it. Um, I, I, I have a there's something about the address that I want to talk about. But before we get into that, Andy, do you have stuff about the, the driver's license you wanted to point out?
1: Uh, yeah, just it's it's a New York state driver's license. I'm not sure why other than perhaps, as you said, maybe this was Donald's driver's license and they just put a picture on it and which would mean all of this information would be donald's not necessarily something that darcy created for uh for thor um they made up the birth date november 21st 1984 so presumably he'd be about 25 at the time this would be happening in the mcu Um, it's a class d license which is just the standard uh, 18 and older driver's license in new york um, And I just – I couldn't help but think how odd it was that the actual New York State driver's license, and maybe this is why they picked New York, it actually does say Excelsior on it. And I was like, what are the odds of that uh, working so well for for that? So I thought that was pretty cool.
0: Yeah, I love that little detail. For myself, as a New York City resident, I wanted to dive more into this um, address because as far as I knew, there is no Doberson Street. The, the address is 1123 Doberson Street, New York, New York, 102, 10023. Now, a uh, couple of things that are interesting here. New York, New York, that means it's specifically Manhattan because it also it would be often like Brooklyn, New York or, you know, uh, uh, a neighborhood in Queens or the Bronx or something like that. 10023 uh I know that zip code that's a zip code I grew up in so that zip code is actually the Upper West Side of Manhattan, around well, kind of mid to Upper West Side, around like the 50s, 60s, 70s. It's where Lincoln Center is now. Uh, it's where West Side Story would have taken place back in the day, uh, though the new one's coming out pretty soon. But Doberson Street is not a name that I've ever heard of, uh, certainly not in that neighborhood. I did some Googling. It's not a street that appears anywhere in New York City. And so I was kind of wondering, like, is there some significance to this? I couldn't find anything and I did a, a no I went down a pretty good rabbit hole because and so if anyone knows why they chose that address, please let me know. The one thing I did find is something called Target Aquarius, which is a book that was written uh by a gentleman uh named Scott Beringer who is quite convinced that um like I couldn't tell at first if this book was a parody or was real. It turns out I think it is quite real. It is, you know, someone who has a lot of conspiracy theories and who has become convinced that uh, Marvel and the Dis- and the Disney Corporation are making movies specifically to tell him that they are satanic, and he has a whole numerology wow. <laughs> about how uh, Donald, I think, is his middle name, and like the he does a numerology thing with the numbers of one, one, two, three, and also the numerical equivalents of. Street to prove that the movie was specifically made to send a demonic message to him um so
1: holy cow
0: that's the rabbit hole i went down um if someone else has something a little closer to uh the mainland about why this address is what it is please let me know but it did feel like if i had to go down <laughs> this rabbit hole
2: i had to take you all with me <laughs> i think you nailed it i don't i don't think any further information is required i think solved
1: it <laughs> there, you go. there you go that is crazy, <laughs> crazy stuff um wow the only the only other thing I had uh, which isn't nearly as interesting, but the photo of Thor I you know I was asking myself, where did they get this photo th- from? And then I was like, oh, of course, this is when Thor is stuffing his face in Isabella's diner, eating all those pancakes, and Darcy takes that picture with her phone, so that's if you look at that moment, this is that same smile that he gives her in that moment. Which is
0: such a ridiculous mugging, like, hi, here I am, <laughs> but is exactly what Thor would do if he ever had to go to a DMV himself. So I do believe that <laughs> that would be driver's license photo. Probably. It's a good
2: callback from a funny moment earlier in the movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Definitely.
0: Uh, and then one other thing uh, also that's interesting is that Coulson must have a great vision here because he... The computer screens at the other side of the of the the room, and he sees that occupation physician is on there. So that's just kind of and one it's little so
1: tiny, yeah, fun moment, right? So you know, maybe
0: he's got another screen of it mirrored near him or something
1: like that. <laughs> or maybe there's more about Colson that we just don't know yet. Yeah,
0: or he he could have looked at the license before before they kind of plugged it onto the computer. But. Well, it's
1: interesting because it's not on his license. Like that's additional information that like somehow pulls up. It's like written on the screen underneath the license. So somehow Mm -hmm. they grabbed that information. I don't know where, Uh, but they must be tagging. They must be somehow tapping into information about the real Donald Blake to get that information.
0: Right. Could be.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, Well, so I think that's about where we end. Uh, From either of you, any last things about about this minute you wanted to bring up?
1: No, I'm good. Um, just uh, a couple things. We get our techie back. We had him earlier talking to Sitwell about the, the Southwest flight. This is, again, Blake Silver, who is the one who's looking at the driver's license. And then I just I, I finally figured out where this holding cell is. The holding cell, it's just a temporary one because it really is kind of a pass-through room that we see Coulson use earlier when he's going into the hamster cage. And there's a, a, a S.H.I.E.L.D. agent who kind of opens up the door for him there because um, there, there's a sli- sliding glass door on the opposite side or on the back wall of this holding cell. And that's where he goes through to get into the hamster cage. So, yeah, it's interesting Mm, how compact all of this is, but how they end up really finding use for kind of every little space. So I thought that was pretty effective.
0: One thing I was wondering, maybe you can tell me, are any parts of this holding cell sort of open? Like, are are any parts of the walls, the holding cell, the walls of the hamster cage itself, or is it all internal?
1: It's all um, well, it's not internal, like the the wall right behind Thor is actually a, a like this, the side exterior wall of this actual command center trailer that they're in. Okay. And in fact, in a later minute, we'll actually see that it looks like they're opening the blinds or something uh, mm-hmm. afterward, because it looks like it's just slats that they must close when they're using it in this particular context. Um, but yeah, okay. it, it doesn't it doesn't run up against the hamster cage itself.
0: Okay, I just ask because we've seen that it's so easy to just bust through the wall of the hamster cage, Kool-Aid Man style. <laughs> so I was going to say, I was going to poke fun a bit if they had that as a wall of the holding cell, but right. they don't. So there's there's some good thinking.
1: <laughs> well, they don't even have in in cuffs or anything. So, yeah, they're <laughs> they're being very laissez-faire about all of this at this they moment.
2: They know a broken man when they see him, so he's, he's not going anywhere. <laughs> yes. yes,
1: they do. His, his shame
0: are his handcuffs. <laughs> yeah. <at this> All right. Well, uh, Brian, it's been so great having you on. We're really looking forward to uh, having you on every day this week. Uh, for people who want to hear more about you, tell us more about um, the um, Marine Corps Movie Minute, where they can find it. Yeah.
2: Uh, I mean, uh, just the Marine Corps Movie Minute. We're uh, hosted on Pinecast, so you can just um, Google for uh, Google, Google that. And we're, of course, on social media as the Marine Corps Movie Minute podcast.
0: Awesome. Well, cool. Thank you so much. Looking forward to having you on. And to all of our listeners, as always, let us know what you think. Give us feedback and have a great day.